Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today's guest is Katie McDonald, who works with Miles for Migraine. Welcome, Katie. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being a guest on the show. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about Miles for Migraine and your role in it? Sure. So I am the Director of Operations for Miles for Migraine. Uh, this is a nonprofit that was founded in 2008 by a nurse out in San Francisco named Eileen Jones. Uh, Eileen went to an advocacy event in Washington, D.C. called Headache on the Hill. And when she was talking to her members of Congress about advocacy for migraine and headache disease, uh, they suggested to her that really the only way to drive change is to do it at the community level and to, to take on a project. And so she went home to San Francisco and started a walk-run event as a fundraiser for migraine disease. And for several years, the the organization just existed in San Francisco with that one event. But fast forward to 2021, and we are now in 24 cities around the United States. Uh, We put on over 50 events a year. We've expanded from just being the walk-run events We also do educational events. We have programming for parents and teens specifically who are living with migraine and headache disease, Um, all kinds of different offerings, uh, especially in the virtual world these days with support groups and mindfulness options. And essentially, we're an organization that exists to raise awareness about migraine and headache disease, combat the stigma that surrounds these diseases. Uh, and just provide community, provide an opportunity for people to get together with like-minded folks. The one thing that's unique about Miles for Migraine is that with all of our walk-run events, we use these as fundraising opportunities. So all of the funds that get raised uh, from our walk-run events are used specifically to support uh, migraine and headache disease research mm-hmm. and to support fellows, which are you know, people, doctors who are in a year of specialty training for headache medicine, uh, our fundraising supports their programming as well. Mm. And this is a cause that's near and dear to your heart too. It is. Yeah. I am a person who lives with chronic migraine. And in fact, I get attacks every day. Uh, migraine has as with many people, had a big impact on my life. I was in the corporate world for a long time, but about six years ago, I had to had to leave uh, due to the impact that migraine was having on my health and kind of my ability to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've you know kind of had that experience of transitioning out of the the so to speak regular workforce. Um, Thankfully, I found a new place for myself and kind of reestablished myself as a person with chronic migraine and found a way to continue to be productive uh, in society. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I'm so happy that you're on because, you know, as someone who also lives with migraine and you never know what the day will bring, (laughs) it's, I think it's something, uh, you know, awareness in the HR world specifically is so important because I think a lot of us try to hide it because 
headache and migraine are often, um, you know, used interchangeably, and that's not the case. Um, so could you uh, clarify what migraine is? Absolutely. Yeah. So migraine is, it's a neurological disease. Um, and it, it is complicated in that there are no specific tests that can be given to somebody to confirm that they have migraine. Instead, migraine is diagnosed by symptoms. So the different symptoms that somebody experiences. Mm -hmm. And while many people think of migraine as, you know, sounds like it's just a bad headache. Uh, in fact, there is usually a lot more that goes on. People with migraine may or may not have head pain with their attacks. Uh, they also have a lot of sensory um, issues, you know, sensitivity to lights and sounds and smells. Uh, migraine often impacts people cognitively. People get what's described as brain fog, mm -hmm. um, an inability to concentrate. It can impact your GI system. It's really, you know, it's really a full body disease. It's mm -hmm. not what uh, is often thought of as just a bad headache. And headache is uh, often a part of migraine. And there are also several uh, diseases that kind of fall under the umbrella of migraine and headache disease that are primary headache disorders, like new daily persistent headache or cluster headache attacks, which are also not really headaches. Um, but headache is really just a symptom of migraine. It is not the full disease. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's great that you bring that up because one of the things that I struggle with, um, with the disease is aphasia, which is just losing your words. Yeah. Um, and as a communicator, as a writer, it really impacts me because I, I know, I know the word, but my brain isn't in its filing system, isn't able to bring it to the forefront. Um, yeah. so I'm, you know, I'm glad that you explained that it's so much than just head pain. Um, exactly. and I feel like, you know, a lot of people who have mental illness challenges can kind of relate too, because, you know, when we're down, we're down. Um, and, you know, similarly, if you have a bad mental health day, you know, it's very hard to get out of bed. It's hard to function. Um, so what would you like HR leaders to know about um, employees with migraine or living? What's the, what's the best word, way to phrase it? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, there's so much to know. I think I think a couple of key things are that migraine impacts. So many people, uh, one in four households in the U.S. has somebody living with migraine disease. It's actually the second most disabling uh, condition, according to the World Health Organization in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's highly, highly prevalent. But uh, from an HR person's perspective, you uh, have many employees who are living with migraine and are fearful to say anything about it. Mm -hmm. Because what while people with migraine are extremely capable, um, and in fact, you know, often hyper capable, uh, what happens is because the attacks are so unpredictable, these are people who may, you know, need to leave work early, they may be calling out of work, you know, and people um, often misunderstand and stigmatize them and say, you know, you just have a headache. Can't you just take some Tylenol and you're really messing me up by not showing up to work today? You know, you're impacting your team and all this stuff. And 
And that causes people with migraine to kind of um, withdraw and not want mm-hmm. to tell people that that's what they have. So from an HR perspective, you know, my number one thing would be to um, have some educational programs so that people do start to better understand migraine and other invisible um, illnesses and diseases that your employees are living with. And that would help them understand or show that perhaps your organization is interested in being supportive um, for these types of diseases. I want to go back to your work experience and talk about, um, you know, how what that was like in living with, uh, as a person with migraine and how you tried to work it out uh, with your employer during that time. Yeah, I have, you know, a sto- I have a story that's probably not that much different from several other people who live mm-hmm. with migraine. I, you know, kind of went through several years of, of the frequency and severity of my migraine attacks increasing. Um, and I actually switched employers at one point thinking maybe it's the stress of, you know, my current job that's really causing this. But, uh, you know, I had... Um, multiple inpatient stays for treatment of migraine. And I'd had a couple of disability leads, short-term disability. And I finally got to the point with my last employer um, where I had, you know, I had had another inpatient stay and I just was at the point where I was, I could barely uh, manage, you know, it was taking everything I had to get myself to show up at work every day and be present for my employees. Um, I was often having to leave early because of bad attacks. Mm. And I, you know, constantly felt guilty. I was worried. I was running out of uh, PTO. I just didn't have enough time to be taking all this time off. Um, And, you know, one of the things that happened to me is kind of earlier on in the process, I went to HR with a concern about, how much PTO I was using mm-hmm. to go to doctor's appointments and take time off. And, and I was worried, you know, what do I do if I run out? And yeah. the person I dealt with didn't, did they just said you, you would run out, you'd have to figure it out. And I wish that that person had told me about FMLA, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a right. I, it was a larger organization. I definitely had access to that, but at that point in my um, understanding of the disease, I didn't realize that was a right I had. And so ultimately, mm-hmm. I ended up needing to take a long term disability from uh, the last employer. And when it got to be time to consider coming back to work, I asked about some accommodations like being able to work part time, uh, or being able to work remotely. And this mm-hmm. was all pre COVID, of course. And they didn't feel like that was the role that I was in. They mm-hmm. felt like needed to be full-time in person. And so, you know, we, um, I don't have negative things to say about them. We kind of decided mm-hmm. to part ways and decided I wasn't healthy enough to, to be able to work in an office, um, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week. And so it wasn't the right fit for me anymore. And, you know, that's, that's really hard for somebody who's very career driven. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people out there that have migraine and probably end up leaving the workforce or potentially getting fired for, you know, being considered unreliable when in fact there's a disease behind this. And, and, you know, with the ADA, we have 
with invisible disabilities have rights just like mm -hmm. those with visible disabilities. Um, so yeah, it, you know, and, and it was heartbreaking for me to leave my, my career uh, and wonder what I was going to do next. But thankfully, mm -hmm. you know, I, I ended up in a great place. I now work for a migraine advocacy nonprofit. I work from home, which means I have flexibility. Uh, if I'm having a bad day, I can lay down, I can mm -hmm. go offline for a little while. And, and my employer knows I'm going to catch up uh, yeah. and do my work when I feel better. And, you know, I think offering that flexibility to employees when it's possible can make a huge difference in retaining folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just self-awareness on both ends, you know, your your former employer knowing like, okay, this is this is what we want. And Katie is not going to be able to meet that. And you saying, well, this is what I need. And this employer isn't going to meet that. So I think there's a lot of also, you know, when you live with this disease, recognizing what you can and cannot do. So <clears throat> one thing that I, I've learned is I can't have a lot of meetings every day. Um, yeah. It's just really difficult, um, draining. I mean, some days it just, it hurts to wear clothes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I've changed my work to project-based and it's really changed everything. Um, so what are the ways that you work best? Yeah, it's uh, it's a great question. There's so many things. You know, you mentioned the too many meetings. I have I have like a weird thing where uh, speakerphone is it always triggers for some reason. So oh, I you wow. know try to wear earbuds. Just like if somebody's talking to me in a car, I ask them to call me back. It's just some kind of background noise. Um, I know that I have you know my morning starts out rough, and then mm -hmm. I usually kind of my mid morning to, you know, maybe one o'clock is my kind of sharpest time of day. And then I tend to decline in the afternoons again. So I schedule my meetings and my, you know, key events kind of during that window when I know I'm most likely to be feeling well. Um, you know, thankfully, I also in working in the uh, migrant advocacy space, I work with a lot of very understanding people. So if, you know, if I am not able to join a call uh, or be in a meeting, they're usually pretty understanding. Mm -hmm. um, video, you know, this these days we live on Zoom uh, mm -hmm. in this virtual world. And sometimes the, the eye strain of being at the computer yeah. uh, on these meetings too mu can be too much. So, you know, just sometimes I shut off my camera when I'm in these Zoom meetings uh, or, you know, I just dial in and just. Uh, rely on the voice, um, you know, those types of accommodations. I uh, try to take breaks and get outside for a short walk during the day. So I'm getting some fresh air and, and doing good self-care kind of on top of making sure I get my work done. Mm -hmm. And I can completely relate. Every morning is two hours <laughs> to get started. Um, because, exactly. You know, I, I do yoga, I, I have to make sure I eat. And you're so aware when you're living with, you know, something chronic of what makes you feel good and what you have to do to get that feeling the rest of the day or, you know, part of the day. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what would you, what advice would you have, um, you know, to HR leaders who may, kind of be on the fence about the uh, remote, um, you know, and hybrid structures we're having, having right now. 
You know, I, it, it's hard. It's hard on everybody, but I think that the more flexible employers can be with employees and creative around figuring out solutions, um, the more likely you're going to be to retain your talented workforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said earlier, I think people with migraine often get, uh, there's a lot of stigma around the disease and there's a lot of stigma around the person themselves. And they get coined as lazy and unreliable mm-hmm. and, you know, just not the, not the type of person that somebody wants to work with. But if somebody takes the time to understand why this person is constantly calling out of work and, you know, you don't have to get into their deep into their medical history, but just understand that they're living with a serious disabling condition. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that employers can do and there could be, even if they can't allow an employee to work remotely, perhaps, you know, there's accommodations at work, like um, filters for screens or, you know, getting them out of the fluorescent lighting, or mm-hmm. perhaps they need to be able to work in an office instead of a cubicle so that they have, you know, um, a more controlled environment in terms of noise and, and light. Um, the flexible schedules, again, as much as possible can be uh, really helpful. You know, sometimes people are going to be at their peak and able to work uh, later in the evening. Um, and and that's, again, not to say that there are there are millions of people who live with migraine who function just fine in a regular nine to five job mm-hmm. in the office. Uh, and maybe, you know, once a month or three times a year, they get an attack. But then there are also those of us like you and I who are chronic and and live with this condition daily. And mm-hmm. so some accommodations um, do need to be made and can help improve the productivity of those folks. Mm-hmm. And I also want to talk about what a vulnerable thing it is for anyone living with a disability to come to HR. Um, you know, so it's it's a it's a careful dance <laughs> that we have to do. How much information we let let out, you know, if we let out too much, will this be stigmatized? Um, how do you manage that? Yeah, it's it's a question I, I feel like I get asked a lot. And and when you're on the different forums online, a lot of people have this question, like, mm-hmm. should I should I tell my employer that I have migraine? And for me, it, I I went for several years without telling anybody that I worked with that I had migraine. And then I started getting interested in migraine advocacy. And it was, I think, through that process that I became more confident in my voice and, mm-hmm. and my willingness to share. Um, but before I had that, you know, I really would consider who I was talking to and how much I trusted that person. And, yeah. um, you know, thankfully, I I would, I had a relationship with the HR folks in um, both of the last two companies I worked with and and felt comfortable speaking with them. Um, I did have a situation where when I was applying for a job at the last employer I worked for, uh, I was going through a a particularly bad time with, um, with my attacks and my interview was scheduled and I called the day before and said, I've just been having, you know, I really hesitated, but I decided I needed to say something um, because similar to you, you know, one of the other, one of the things that happens with these attacks is you lose your words and it's hard mm-hmm. to articulate properly. And I thought, 
if I go into an interview at a new company and I can't articulate, you know, what my skills are and I'm in a ton of pain, I'm just not going to be properly representing myself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I called and I asked if there was any way I could reschedule the interview and, and because I was having migraine attacks and I was nervous that they were going to, you know, kind of put that on my record and mark that against me. But unfortunately they said they couldn't reschedule. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's due to a lack of understanding of the impact mm-hmm. of this disease. But I went forward and I did the interview and I did end up getting hired. Um, and I just, you know, I think you have to be, the person with migraine has to get to a point where you decide to trust um, that trust yourself, trust your symptoms, trust how it's impacting you and don't let the judgment from other people um, hold you back from kind of being your true self. And hopefully, you know, at your workplace um, and HR um, professionals will meet you with compassion and be more likely to ask questions about what they can do to be helpful versus immediately kind of um, shutting you down or making you feel bad for what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, one bad interaction can really uh, sour an employee. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the people who listen to this podcast, for the guests that are on the show, I know that it breaks their hearts because they're so people oriented um, and, but there's still that bad experience that, you know, makes that person so scared. Um, so I think an important thing to know for us, you know, to, for, to communicate to HR leaders is, you know, we do have that, <laughs> that struggle. We do have past six because I feel like every person living with migraine has some sort of instance, some sort of sentence said to them that has just crushed them that, you know, it's very difficult for them to recover. So, you know, with HR leaders who really want to help and are people oriented, it's important for them to remember that, you know, there, there is also trauma associated uh, with the disease too. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so what do you have in the works uh, with miles for migraine? Anything exciting coming up? We are, so we're just wrapping up. We just had our last uh, walk, run, relax event of the year this past Saturday in Miami. So we're uh, in the process of wrapping up our 2022 year. Um, One of my favorite things at the end of the year is that we can um, go back through all of the funds that we've raised and we're able to um, issue grants to 24 different headache centers around the country to impact migraine research. So we're focused on that. Uh, We're focused on planning for um, the next year. Um, And, you know, I also, I have another um, role that I play. I volunteer with another advocacy group called the Alliance for Headache Disorders Advocacy. And they have an annual advocacy event I mentioned earlier uh, called Headache on the Hill in DC. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're preparing for that in February. That's when we go speak to members of Congress about uh, the need to modify federal policy to um, you know, better uh, address the needs of people living with migraine and headache disease. And one of the one of the issues that we've been really focused on the last several years has actually been the whole social security disability evaluation process. 
um, and and how that works for folks with invisible disabilities and that there's a lot of discrimination that takes place there and trying to address some of those issues. Mm -hmm. So lots on the plate, um, hopefully making a difference and uh, carrying on. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap up, is there, you know, are there any final words that you would like to leave uh, these awesome HR leaders with? Um, I just, I appreciate you taking the time to listen today. I think, you know, I would just like to leave you with the fact that migraine is not uh, a bad headache. It's so much more and impacts people in so many ways. And with the prevalence of migraine uh, in our country, 47 million people living with migraine, um, you have employees living with this. And the more that you can do to um, have programs and show acceptance to them, the stronger your workforce is going to be. Definitely. Uh, so what's the best way to reach you or learn more about the organization? Yeah, Miles for Migraine, you can find us online. We're on social media too. It's Miles for Migraine, no S on the end. My email is katie at milesformigraine.org if you have any questions. Um, and you can also check out the Alliance for Headache Disorders Advocacy uh, online through the web or Facebook, uh, Twitter, or in all of those places. Thank you so much, Katie. Uh, it has been a great conversation and I'm really excited to, you know, have some of uh, the HR leaders in this audience get a perspective on, you know, what it's like and how they can really step up to the plate for people that are living with migraine. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I'm Lindsay Patton, host of People Analytics Podcast. Uh, if you know of anyone who would be a great guest on the show, feel free to reach out to me, lindsay at staffgeek.com. And uh, thank you again, Katie. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.